They are going crazy. Games. Blouses. Gallant truck. Disaster. Afrogetti. Disaster. Well, I mean, I'm no doctor. We now join America's most popular show already in progress. Everybody loves the greatest duo. Woo, 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 Fantastic. That team sure did suck last night. They just played sucked. I've seen teams suck before, but they were the suckiest bunch of sucks that ever sucked. Game. Awesome. Post-game pints, baby. You ready to go, Mitchie? Yeah, Sean. Born ready to go. Welcome to another edition of the Post-Game Pints podcast. Apparently, we are at episode 106. I lost count at around episode 11. But uh, someone told me it was 100. So when we got to 100, I was good, and then I lost count after that. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll just take Dave trying to do his word for it. And then we're brought to you by LeBros Brewery and... Cunningham's Pub, and uh, Sean, I don't know where you got that beer that you're drinking, but I am very jealous. I got it at LaBrasse 133, LaBrasse in Point Claire, went out and made sure that I picked up my Trent Dewey Entertainment uh, beer, and it goes down nice and smooth, and I uh, had to give a shout out to Dave, and uh, yeah, I just got a couple in my fridge, and I know you're jealous, you just have to go buy LaBrasse, which I know you will be going in a couple days from now. I sure hope uh, I can make it by in a couple days. In fact, I might be bringing a very special guest to uh, LaBrosse Brewery in Point Clara. So check them out. I'll tell you, you won't be disappointed. Campbell and I were actually in a charity hockey tournament last weekend. And one of the guys that uh, runs LaBrosse, uh, Alex, who's been on the podcast before uh, when we we're launching our beers, um, he uh, he was just handing out those uh, different uh, beers from LaBrosse after the games, and the guys were just pounding them back and really enjoying them. So uh, thank you, Alex, and uh, kind of pissed that uh, I haven't been able to try Dave's beer, and you're having one right now on the podcast. Yep. Yeah, you, uh, you sip away. You sip away. <sighs> That's probably what Carey Price has to do now that he's injured again. But just chill? Yeah, just chill, sit back. Have a Trent Dewey Entertainment beer. I don't I think, think he's uh, supposed to uh, do that, Sean. Well, I think he can have a beer. His season's over. He doesn't play until next year. And what's the problem? Let's start. Rapid fire. Carey Price. He's injured again. Mitch, worst case scenario. Well, yeah. I mean, when we're talking about him coming back, the one thing you were saying that you uh, wanted to see was health and, uh, and the fact that he can still play, you're like, I don't care about the results. I don't care about the save percentage or the wins. All I want to see is a healthy carry price. And I'll be concerned if I start hearing about uh, inflammation or setbacks. Well, Sean, uh, we haven't heard about uh, inflammation or setbacks just yet. But we do know he is day-to-day with an injury. He will not play in the uh, remaining games for the Canadians. And he has to go to see the doctor who performed the surgery on his meniscus. 
I don't think there could be a worse case scenario than that one as uh, as he plays uh, the handful of games and then uh, has that setback. All right. So let me give you the base, best case scenario here. OK, because I you you spelled out every, everything that I was worried about. Best case scenario. He played four days, four games in eight days. He played Friday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Right. That's the, the four games that he played. And he wanted to test his body. Yep. So he wanted to test his body. He's like, I got to test it. I got to see if I can go day in, day out, day in, day out. That's why he played those three games in a row. Mm-hmm. That's fine. So he's he does that. He wakes up on Sunday and goes, it's a little sore. I want to be extra precautious and I'm going to tell them, okay, because I have to be open. Just a little sore. They're like, okay, well, look, you're not going to play. It doesn't matter. We'll call up Caden Primo. It's cool. Don't worry about it. Hey, why don't you hop on the plane? Because we're going to New York anyways. So just jump on and check in with your doctor. No no biggie. He's just going to tell you. And then he's going to come back and be like, everything's fine. It's all good. It would just extra precaution. Because think about it. He's been very cautious from the beginning. That's why he's only played four games this season. So maybe it's just that extra layer of caution that is coming in. And that's what has happened. Let's just go check in with the doctor. He's probably even feeling better today. I'm giving you best case scenario. Worst case scenario is red flag. He can't play four games in a row and his career is over. That's kind of where we're at. Yeah. And and see, you know what, Sean, I'm somewhere in between because I'm not going to come on the podcast and declare Kerry Price's career over, but I don't think they're just being extra cautious. These are professional athletes and their bodies are fine tuned machines. But when something is wrong, they know. So if Carey Price needs to go see the surgeon, it's because he knows something isn't right. It's not just a little bit of pain. Like there is fatigue and there is soreness. Sean, you go to the gym and you do a bunch of bench press, you're going to wake up the next day and your chest is going to be sore if you haven't worked out for a long time. That's normal. But you're going to see your surgeon? That's not being cautious. That is something is wrong because he knows that something is wrong. I'm just hoping that it's coincidence that a surgeon's in New York and the team was going to New York and it's just hop on the plane. That is, again, best case scenario. I'm with you. It's probably somewhere in the middle and this is not a good sign. I wanted to see a Carey Price that played these games and walked out of the season and said, I feel great. This is awesome. I can't wait to see you guys at trading camp and go off and take That's what I was looking for not happening. So the question marks, if he didn't play about his health, they're going to go for four more months now, four more months, whatever he says at his post game press con- or post season press conference, he's going to go for four more months because he's going to show up in training camp. And the question is going to be how many games can he play? Can he even play? The Canadians need three goalies. That's pretty much where we're at with carry price. No doubt about it. You want to move on to uh, topic number two of the rapid fire, Mitch Gallo? Sure do. I know there's only a handful of games left for the Canadians this year, but let's be honest, it was an awful year. They're on the brink of getting the first overall pick for the draft lottery. We'll have coverage on the draft here on the Post Game Pines podcast. But Mitch, can you give me a list of players who had a good season? Not an average or not a, we know the list of poor seasons. Give me a good season from someone on the Montreal Canadiens. Well, I'm, I'm, look, uh, good is subjective. Yes. 
Um, so I'm asking your subjective view of a good season. I think a lot of players on the Canadians actually had good seasons. I think um, so. I, I'll I'll go down the list of of players that I I think have had good seasons. Um, Caulfield, twenty goal rookie season. You know, it's not it's not the Calder uh, Trophy, but uh, it's the most goals by a rookie since Chris Higgins, and that's a long time ago. So I'd say that's a good season. It's not a great season. It's a good season. Um, I think Nick Suzuki has had a good season. I think Rem Pitlick has had a good season, uh, and he has um, exceeded expectations. I think Jake Evans has had a good season. I think Alex Romanov has had a good season, and I think Sam Montembeau has had a good season. So considering where the Canadians are at, it's a pretty lengthy list. I realize that, but you're using the word good. And uh, I think all those guys have had good seasons. All right. Well, here's the thing. I can give you that list, and I'll tell you this. Uh, Cole Caulfield had a good second half of the season. I said season. I didn't say second half of the season. Uh, Samuel Montembeau had a good second half of the season. Nick Suzuki had a good second half of the season. When you ask good season, or when I ask good season, I looked at the season. So to me, yes, I'm with you. 20 goal overall. You're doing the math. That's fine. He had a great second half of the season. He had a bad first half of the season. So it turns into, we can say, good season. Good breakdown. That's fine with me. I'm not going to counter what you said. But those guys don't make the cut for me. I To me, it's Jake Evans. Jake Evans, from start to finish, he had a good season. He did exactly what the Canadians wanted him to do. I think he got better. I think he was put into roles that he didn't expect to be. And he grew from that. I like your Romanoff. I thought that was a good one. The other one I'm going to say is Chris Weidman. A little ups and downs, but I think that was the expectation. He had a good season because the expectations were low as a guy coming in from the KHL. So if he just performed and was able to play in games, good for him. And he proved that he can play in the NHL. But my answer is Jake Evans. Jake Evans, if we're talking start to finish, and I don't have to qualify it by saying, well, he was awful in the first. and then I thought Jake Evans from start to finish had a good season for the Canadians. That's how I'm answering it. I'm okay with the way you answered it. But that's how I'm answering is Jake Evans. All right. Next up. Guy Lafleur. It's a tough week for the Montreal Canadiens organization. And Mitch, we've spoken about it a couple times, you and I. Uh, we were both there uh, when the Canadiens paid tribute against the Boston Bruins working for TSN 690. And I know that you've had your own personal interactions with Guy Lafleur. Um you know, when you got to sit down with him and Rand and the late, great Randy Teeman and Guy Lafleur, I, I couldn't wait for that photo that you posted. Uh, I told you right away I was waiting. I went on social media because I was like, oh, Mitch is going to post that photo. He's going to. And, and I love that. I love that photo because it's perfect. You're just sitting back and listening. Like I think all of us have listening to all the old stories and all the um, old veterans. But, you know, for you, what's what did Guy Lafleur mean to you, you know, growing up in Montreal and, you know, knowing what he meant to the Canadians organization. Well, I was uh, always fascinated by hockey history mm -hmm. and always intrigued by what happened in the past. And I used to collect the Rock'em Sock'em Don Cherry tapes, every single one. I had every, mm -hmm. every, every one from one until – I want to say he finished at uh, 35 or something like that. Yeah, eight was the best. I don't remember which one specifically was eight. That was the 94 cup run. Okay, so this one was after. Mm -hmm. And it featured Don Cherry 
it, it, so this must have been 96 or 97 because okay. it was right before they closed the forum. Yeah. And the whole episode was shot at the Montreal Forum and it had Don Cherry uh, telling the stories of, uh, of his times at the Forum. And of course, we know the famous clip of Coach's Corner uh, when he's on the bench with his hands uh, by his, uh, up by his sides and he's complaining about the too many men on the ice uh, penalty. And, you know, we know what happens uh, right after that. The Canadians score the power play goal. Uh, they send the game into overtime. They win the game. They win the series. And they go on and they win the Stanley Cup in the next series. And pretty much whoever was going to win that series in 1979 was going to go on to win uh, the Stanley Cup in the final, even though it was uh, it was a semifinal. And that's when I really started cluing in to the uh, 70s version of the Canadians and had Don Cherry talking about that goal over and over. And then, you know, you'd see it on Coach's Corner and that that famous uh, Lafleur coming up rather gingerly. I mean, I've heard that hockey clip more than any other hockey clip. So that's when it, that's when it really started uh, for me, Sean. And then it became uh, reading and hearing stories and listening to the radio. And then, you know, in this profession, being able to uh, meet him on several occasions. So that's what he meant to me. Uh, the only thing I'll say uh, other than that is Guy Lafleur was a rock star in this city and in this province. And the Canadian's tribute was fitting for that of a rock star. Yeah, I thought the tribute was outstanding. I give a lot of kudos to the fans in the building uh, for creating that. I think the Canadians did a great job, but I think the fans were outstanding, you know, uh, for that 10-minute-plus ovation that they they gave uh, Guy Lafleur, and he wasn't even there, but they knew that he was there. Um, you know, Guy Lafleur, I didn't have a chance. Like, you go to his restaurant and meet him. I've spoken to him numerous times over the phone uh, because, you know, he was friends with Chris Chris Nyland. And that's where my thoughts went right away. I went to his his alumni that I, I've gotten to know and, and become friends with, Knuckles, Sergio. And, you know, I think about the impact that he had in every one of his teammates, the stories that we were hearing over the day, over the few last few days, and the ones that still to come. If you were a fourth line winger, you were the backup goalie. If you were the Wiley veteran and he was the rookie, or you were the rookie and he was just signing off and going on the sun into, into the sunset, he was your teammate. He was he was a rock star, yes, outside in the province of Quebec, but he was just one of the guys in the room, and he acted that way. He behaved like that. He didn't think he was bigger or better than anybody else. That truly comes through. But when he stepped out of that rink and he stepped into the fans, Mitch, he was bigger. <laughs> And, and he had more fanfare than anybody else. Uh, Knuckles used to tell me, and I, these aren't my stories to tell, but just the you know they would go somewhere, and he's just he he'd be shocked at you know just how many people would just come to him, and he just accepted it, moved on, was gracious. I just uh, I thought a lot about his teammates, and that's when you know they were all sitting behind the bench. I thought that was a, a very powerful moment of them all standing together. I, I, that 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 was a that was a very moving part 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 of that game, and I think that's going to be one of the moving parts of when his funerals are coming next week. Yeah, you know, John, just uh, to think of of the popularity, right? I'm just thinking about what you said, and uh, the Canadians are lucky because not all not all teams <laughs> have an icon that big. Um, you know, like Boston has it with uh, with Bobby Orr, 
You know, with, with Toronto, with all due respect to that team, I don't think they have it with Dave Keon or Daryl Sittler or Matt Sundin or Doug Gilmore. Uh, with the Rangers, I don't think they have it with Mark Messier. I don't think Gretzky was there long enough. You know, with the uh, Chicago Blackhawks, maybe they have it uh, with Bobby Hall or Stan Mikita. Mm-hmm. Um, the Red Wings have it with uh, with Gordy Howe. But, you know, those that's, that's, the, origi- that's, that's, that's the original six. And the Canadians are fortunate because – you look at all the other teams in the league, they don't mm-hmm. have a Gila Fleur. And then, and then even, you know, Sean, you know, talking about uh, Gordie Howe or, or Bobby Hall in, in those cities, I don't, with all due respect, I don't think they are as big of stars in Chicago or in Detroit as Gila Fleur was here in Quebec. It's like in, in Quebec, we love to be represented and we love to be the best at things on, mm-hmm. you know, the stage of all of North America. And that's what Guy Lafleur was. He wasn't just the best player on the Canadians. He was the best player in the league. And it went Bobby Orr, passing it to Guy Lafleur, passing it to Wayne Gretzky, passing it to Mario Lemieux, passing it to Sidney Crosby, passing it to Connor McDavid, passing it to, I don't know, Connor Bedard next, maybe. Uh, but uh, that's where the Canadians were at. He was uh, the best of his generation. Yeah, like you said, it wasn't just for a year. He was year in, year out the best. So uh, just thoughts on uh, Guy Lafleur. If you have any thoughts on Guy Lafleur, please uh, set them down in the comments and we will get them in uh, a couple later episodes. Uh, anything else for the rapid fire? You want to move on to round of sports thoughts? You know what, Sean, after uh, talking about what we just talked about, let's uh, let's move on to uh, another segment. All right. Random sports thoughts. I always like this one. I never know what's going to come out of your mouth. When we get to random sports thoughts <laughs> here on the Post Game Pines podcast, Campbell and Gallo. Or if you want to go Gallo and Campbell, that's fine. Your name's on that side. That works for me. Whatever, man. Um, do you want me to start things off? Sure. I'd love if you started things off. All right. You know, this day with analytics and diving into numbers, Mitch, mm-hmm. I still think, you know, plus minus is still a decent stat to know. I know it's not the be all end all like all the other stats, but I feel like it's totally getting dismissed now. And I'm like, it still tells a part of the story. I just find people dismiss it too much now. I'll uh, I'll dismiss it rather easily. I think, uh, you know, you can use it if you provide a little bit of uh, context. You know, I wouldn't be like, oh, look at Nick Suzuki's plus minus and compare him to somebody like, oh, Toronto's fourth line center has a better plus minus than Nick Suzuki. I mean, the context isn't there. You know, um, if you have a bad goalie, your plus minus mm-hmm. is going to suffer. If you have more difficult matchup, your your plus minus is going to suffer. If you're if you're out there a lot on a team that plays with the goalie pulled, uh, you're you're going to have your plus minus affected. So if if you want to look at it and say, okay, uh, I'm I'm taking a look at players on the Montreal Canadiens specifically and measuring them against each other uh, vis-a-vis plus minus, maybe you could find a little bit of context there. Uh, but Sean, uh, I disagree with your random sports thought. I think plus minus is pretty irrelevant yeah it it's like i'll look at this the the canadians are a perfect example i'll look at the canadians and i don't really give much thought to their plus minus but if there was a montreal canadian that was sitting there at plus 12 at this point of the season i'd look into that i would say there's something there and that's where you do your reason that's why i said i know people dismiss it and i'm i don't think it's the be all end all stat i'm not trying to defend it and saying how come we don't use it the way they used to because it used to be used 
you're on for a goal and you joke around with your guys. But I'm saying that there are there are situations where there is context that you can use it and look into the numbers. So like if you looked at the Canadians and you saw someone plus 12, you'd probably go, there's something to that. And his name was Arturi Lekkinen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there was something about Arturi Lekkinen this year. Anyways, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, my first random uh, sports thought, Sean, is uh, uh, Paulina Gretzky and Dustin Johnson got married. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dustin Johnson looks like Bradley Cooper. He does a little bit. It's the You know what it is? It's the kind of the way that their beards are. Yeah. Shape of the face, style mm-hmm. of the hair, especially at the wedding. I don't know if you saw the wedding photos. I have not. Um, yeah, you, it's because you follow Paulina on Instagram, right? I don't know. I did. I don't know if she either blocked me or stopped posting things. <laughs> That'd be great if Paulina Gretzky blocked Mitch Gallo. Who is this random guy in Montreal who's liking all my photos? <laughs> How many did you like? <laughs> uh, no, I'm not following her actually. Okay. Well, let's give her a little follow right now. <laughs> See how this goes for you. Bet you I get blocked. Okay. Just don't don't creep her out. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going to stay with the world of hockey. Connor McDavid's not getting enough love for the heart. Edmonton's second in their division. He has the most points in the league. And just because I know other players are having great seasons and McDavid gets dismissed because Leon Dreisel is an amazing person on it in his own right. And I'm not saying that McDavid needs to win this award this year. I'm just saying every time I talk to anybody about this award... They don't even bring him up. It's like, we're just so used to this guy being amazing. That's how I feel. Well, um, two things. Uh, Number one, I think a lot of people made up their minds before um, Edmonton went on their recent run because they've been unbelievable in their last 15 games. And as the Oilers go, McDavid goes. Or I should say, as McDavid goes, the Oilers go. Uh, He's got 118 points at the recording of this uh, podcast, Sean. I'm with you. He, he deserves entertainment value. Uh, McDavid How is that? brings the entertainment value. There's no question. And I, I, I think that's part of it. You know, also, Sean, we know how fixated the uh, media that uh, covers hockey in this country is with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, while we're recording this podcast, actually, uh, Matthews has his second goal of the game. He had 60 on the season. Yeah, he's Look, I don't want to take anything away from him. He's having a great season. But when it happens in Toronto, a guy in Edmonton is going to get overshadowed, unfortunately. Um, To me, I think if you look at, if you take a player off the team, which team is more affected? Is it Edmonton without McDavid or is it Toronto without Matthews? I think it's Edmonton without McDavid. And that's why he is my MVP, actually. And I've changed changed my tune because, Mm -hmm. again, 15 games ago, I thought it was uh, between Matthews and Shesterkin. But... As we are going into the playoffs, I don't think anybody's playing at a higher level than McDavid. Yeah, McDavid's up there. He's in my three. Matthews is there. Huberto as well. I don't know if I've, I've narrowed it down to a winner yet. Go ahead. Well, that's why I'm glad I didn't do so just yet. Um, Sean, Guy Lafleur played with Matt Sundin and Joe Sackick. Before you asked me, mm-hmm. what does Guy Lafleur mean to you? But it's still amazing. Like, remember when Yarmer Yager had a teammate on every Stanley Cup champion going back to, like, Trotsier and the, yeah, and the uh, yeah. Islanders of the 70s? Yeah. And he had a Stanley Cup champion teammate on every team until, like, five years ago or whatever it was. Shaq, the, Shaq, the Shaq factor in basketball, right? 
Yeah, but he played on so many teams, right? So, yeah. and and like like Yager. Uh, but just uh, I saw a photo of Lafleur, Sakic, and Sundin, and that to me kind of really bridges the gap uh, between uh, mm-hmm. my generation and the generation of the seventies. And uh, I don't know. I just I just wanted to bring up that I love that photo that I saw. That's a good photo. Yeah, that's a, that's a neat one. I like I like that when you have that bridge, and we've seen it. You know, whenever you see the Crosby and it's, the Lemire and all that stuff. Yeah, Crosby played with Mario Lemieux. I know. I, I I wish Mario was still playing. I bet he could if someone tied his skates. Looks great. Um, you know what? I'm gonna let it finish on a on a Guy Lafleur one. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna let it. I, I, my last one doesn't matter anyways. I'm good with that. All right. Uh, you want to do a pop quiz? Uh, sure. Who will uh, who will go first? You or I? Do you want to be angry at the end, or do you want to be at the angry now? I want to be angry at the end. I'll go first. Okay. Um, I wonder if this one is going to make you angry. Ah, no, because Maybe. Uh, I, w- I want to know how many you think you can get. Okay. Kind of All right. Here. So Ryan Getzlaff yes. has played his last NHL game. Yeah. His last his, home game, right? His he last, has another. He's not playing on the road. Oh, he's not? Okay. No. no. Right. So he played his last home game. I saw you play his home game. That's he, his last game. Like, I don't, guys, I don't. Can I come on the road on the plane to hang out? <laughs> the, ducks, uh, the Ducks aren't done, but uh, Ryan Getzlaff is. So. Sean, where do you think uh, Ryan Getzlaff uh, ranks all-time in Anaheim Ducks points? I would think that he would be one. He is number one. So my question is, how many of the next nine do you think you could get? Anaheim Ducks history of the next nine? Yes. Like so, if I'm if I'm to say if I was to say top ten in Ducks history in points, how many do you think you could get of the top ten? Five. Five. Five more, so six total. Six total. All right, let's see what you can do. All right. Uh, Corey Perry. Number three. Uh, Scott Niedermeyer. Number 10. Um, let's go with uh, Corey Perry. Scott Niedermeyer. Uh, so num- can you give me the point totals at 10? Uh, you want to do that or no? I I have it kind of cropped out. I can, okay. I can give you uh, goals and assists of uh, which which like which number do you want? Well, just because Niedermeyer is interesting because I know we had all those. So Niedermeyer years. had um, two hundred and sixty four points with the Ducks. Okay, uh, let's go, uh, Raquel. Ricard Raquel, number seven. Okay, not one I thought you would say. No, I just know he's been there a long time. Uh. Uh, Silverberg. Silverberg. Another one I did not think you were going to say. Number eight. I actually think you can do better than you thought now. What are you at? <laughs> That's uh, so I, I'm at I'm at four. You're missing like two obvious ones. That's why I'm surprised yeah. you went Raquel and Silverberg. Uh, 200. That's why it's Pronger's an in- interesting one. I don't I want to say him, but no, I don't think it was there long enough. So I'm not going to say him. Just, and then when you said Niedermeyer at the bottom, so I got to go forwards. Um, uh, Korea. Number two. Number four is Korea. Oh, number yeah. four. So I got my six. I know who am I missing? There's one more really easy one. Uh, who was the easy one? I'm trying to think. Who was the easy one on the Ducks that I'm missing? Come on, man. Come on, man. I know. You gave me Ricard Raquel. And, and Silverberg number two on the list. I, I know that. I just number two on the list scored 457 goals with the Ducks. Yeah. Uh, 
trying to think. Would have been part of those teams. Why can't I think of them? Dave Trentadui is uh, nailing answers here on my text message. Yeah. So I'm supposed to call a friend on this Dave one. Dave has no? number nine and number two. Number nine and which two. Which would mean you're only missing two. Why don't you call Dave? Dave, you want to you wanna give me the nine and two? Because my you're brain's not working. You're going to be still working. mad at two, Campbell? Like, so no. Hard. It's, um... Hello, Dave. Uh, kind of screws up the uh, That's fine. look of it, but uh, I got, uh, well, was, you want me to just say them, or? You, what, number two, Dave? Uh, Timu Solani? Number Timu two Solani. is Timu Solani, you guys, Sean. Come on, Sorry, man. <laughs> Your brain is fried. That's what's, I blame the beer. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Dave? Love it. Uh, and number nine, uh, was it the one I texted you, Bobby Ryan? Bobby Ryan, number nine. Yeah, Bobby Ryan, he was there a long time. And now and we then, are missing just two more. Two more. One, uh, one is active. Five, one is active. And one, his name never comes up. I think he was in NHL 94, and he probably benefited a lot from playing with Korea. He was in NHL 94, so I, he was on that. I think he was in NHL So 94. he was on that, like, initial team? Active yeah. with the Ducks? Uh, yeah, there's one active, too. Not the guy from NHL 94, Dave. <laughs> no, I, I would assume so. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Active in the guts, I on the on them right now. Is the active a defenseman? The active is a defenseman. Oh, then it's um, a Fowler. Cam Fowler coming in at number six, and the uh, always forgotten about Anaheim Duck that was in NHL '94 and got lots of points because he played with Paul Korea, Steve. Ruchin. Steve Ruchin. Wow. Coming yeah, in at number that. five. Yeah, you know what? I, I feel like I should have got Steve Ruchin. Really? Yeah. I can't I believe you got Stilferberg. <laughs> and, and Raquel. Raquel. And Raquel. Fowler, if I thought about it, I would have had that. Oh, man, my brain is off. Um, <laughs> all right. All right. All right. So, all right. Mitch. I, I think I'm going to need because yeah, Campbell says I'm going to get mad. Probably should have just kept Dave on the screen. Yeah. He, okay. So here's the thing. I remember that uh, round of sports thought I had about plus minus. Yep. Remember how much you said you don't care about it? Yep. All right. In the NHL's top 40 scores right now, there are only five players that are minus 35 are plus players. Five players in the NHL's top 40 currently active players are minus players top 40 five players are minus yes i can give you a couple clues there are two teammates and there's only one player on a playoff team the well, four I others was, i was thinking about all the non-playoff but teams. i'm letting you know there's one player on a playoff team and uh they're all significant minus except one guy's minus one so that right. might be a little tougher. And he's a he's a tough guy to grab out of all this. He would be the hardest one, the minus one player. The other players, I think you should be able to nail because uh, two are teammates, um, non-playoff guys that get points. One's a big goal scorer and one guy on a playoff team. Um, I really don't know plus minus at all. I know. That's why I told you you'd be a little angry. Dave? <laughs> That's for Dave's help. Right one, one of the guys is one I of my never, favorite. I never look at this. One style. of these guys is uh, one of my favorite players. The on a non-playoff right. team. Um, I'm I I'm very bad at this as well. I have one guy in mind, Phil Kessel. It is not Phil Kessel. 
top 40 scoring too. You have to realize these guys are uh, the lowest. They're already at 76 points. They're like point of game players. They're all point of game players. I mean, they're on the brink there. So these are high scoring players. Jared McCann. Jared McCann. I don't think he has point of game. I don't think he's up at 76. The lowest point total is 76. The highest uh, is 92. Alex Debrinkit. Alex Debrinkit, minus 12 at 77 points. Alex Patrick Debrinkit. Kane. Patrick Kane, minus 18 at 92 points. That's number one and three. Those are the two teammates. Uh, you're missing a goal scorer. That's on a non-playoff team. Uh, he had a career high in goals this year. And you're missing a playoff guy because I don't think you're going to get the minus one guy. <laughs> the minus one guy is... Uh, it's hard to explain him. West Coast team, um, winger, can play center, but had a couple big games. Sege? Uh, not Sege. That's a good guess, though. I like that Sege guess. Is that a playoff team or not, though? <laughs> right. This this team is in the playoffs. The one is on the playoffs. That's the one that draw it to me. It's it's kind of it goes Matt into. Uh, no, not Matt Duchesne. It draw it drew me into the question when I saw this because he's a minus player on a good team, and then you think about all these players that are plus. You're like, well, maybe that's something to look into, right? Right. Heading into the playoffs, um, um, two of the uh, two Canadian teams here. You're looking for two Canadian teams. Um, Kyle Wink. Connor. Kyle Connor minus five, eighty nine points. That's a good goal one. score. Yeah, goals. There's your goal score, and a uh, Canadian no, playoff no, team. A Canadian playoff. Team. I'm, I'm not even going to have you. It's the other one you're looking for is Timo Meyer. I'm just going to tell you that is Timo Meyer. It would have been okay. tough to get the minus one. <laughs> the, the playoff team uh, guy, I think you can get minus player, seventy six points. Seventy six. Nylander. Wow. Minus twelve, William Nylander. See, with a little bit of clue, you got it there, Mitch. I'm going to pull it up. But only five players. That's kind of when I was getting into it, because of course these offensive players score, and then you're on the ice a little bit more. But I find it. Oh, Dave. <laughs> I, no, but I find, but Gallo, I find that it it stands out more when you have 92 points and you're at minus 12 or minus 18, and, and then, sure. and I know you're not on a good team because you're Patrick Kane, but it just goes to show how much you're on the ice, how much they use you, and it's situational, like you said, but. When I see Nylander at minus 12, I'm like, hmm, they're going to want to watch where they put him out on the ice in the playoffs in certain situations. And I know he's not the greatest defensive guy, and he's there for his offense, but that's that's why I said that thing about plus minus. Still don't like the stat. And I know you didn't like the question. But you did that's pretty well. That's all the time we have on the uh, Post Game Pints podcast. In fact, we've gone a little bit over. So uh, who cares? Uh, smash that uh, subscribe button. Click. Listen and uh, comment. Uh, we want to hear from you. Thank you, LeBros. Thank you, Cunninghams. Thank you, Dave Trentadue. And thank you, Sean. Well, how's that for your entertainment value? They've done their job very, very well. Awesome! No, no.